This is the Dafyomi Masechta Review, Masechtik Subas, tape number four. For subscription information, call us toll free at 1 888 Dafyomi or write Dafyomi Tapes, P.O. Box 831, Muncie, New York, 10952. This tape is dedicated in memory of Tzivya Bas Eliyahu Green, Zechrona Lavracha. Our Magachir is Rabbi Yossi Heber. This tape is in Mesechta Ksubis. We're beginning in the seventh parak, parak Hamadir, on Daf Ayin. As background, since a man has a chiv to provide his wife with aina, with relations, and mezainus, food, if he swears that he won't provide these obligations, the neder is not chal. And the Mishnah says, if a man prohibits his wife from having enjoyment from him via a neder, in other words, that she can't eat food, if it's for less than 30 days, then it's chal. But if it's for more than 30 days, he must divorce her and give her the ksuba money, since it's embarrassing to her that she can't get hana from any of these things. According to Rabbi Yehuda, a kayan gets extra time. He gets two months maximum, since a kayan is usher to a grusha. If she makes the netter and isn't mavatalit, then he must divorce her immediately. And the Gemara says, How can a man make a netter to keep his wife from having pleasure from him? He has a shibatur, and one can't take off a shibat. As we know, kivin de mishabdale, lav kol kamine, the Mar answers, since he can forgo his right to Maisa that will be in exchange for giving her Mazinus. If she says, I don't want your Mazinus, in exchange for not having to give you Maisayadi, Rapuna says that's okay. The Gemara says if a person's house is on fire, although Amir La Akum on Shabbos is Usr, but if he says, he announces, anyone who puts it out won't lose then it's okay, and he's allowed to do that. Since we wouldn't allow this in the panic, we wouldn't allow him to do even this in a panic, he would probably just put the fire out by himself. So therefore, since we didn't want to take a chance that he would put it out himself, we allowed him to at least do this much. If a person made a neder, not to have enough from Reuven, and he now needs food from Reuven, he can get food from the chenveni, and then the chenveni can be teveah from Reuven. But according to Rabbi Yaisi, a person can't do this due to the maisa benecharen brought down here, where the gift wasn't done as a real gift. Rav and Shmuel argue on the time limit that he has on the neder before he must divorce her and what he exactly specified. If a man makes a neder that his wife, if she eats a certain fruit, he won't have relations with her, that's then he must divorce her immediately and give her the ksuba money. The Gemara says a husband is allowed to nullify types of nedarim that his wife makes if they're related to inui nefesh, as we learned in nedarim, things like rechitzas haguf or using perfume. In other words, that he makes makes the netter, but she's not allowed to wash her body. Rabbi Yaisi says, these aren't considered inui nefesh, but things like achilas basar, shasiyas yayin, or colored garments, these are considered inui nefesh, and only in these can the baal be mefer neder. If she prohibits him from having tashmish with him, then it's not chal, since she has a chiyav to him. But if she prohibits herself on him, then he must be made for neder, because otherwise it would be like feeding someone a davar ha'asar, i.e. she made tashmish with him, an Isser for herself. And finally we say even Benos Yisrael who come from poor families on the Shalish Regalim would use perfume in honor of the Yantav. So even though the rest of the year they really didn't have money to afford it but the Shalish Regalim they did. The Mishnah. If a man makes a neder prohibiting his wife from going to her father's house and they all live in the same city so as long as the neder is for one month and no more then it's okay. More than two months he must divorce her with a Ksuba. If they live in different cities if he said she can't visit for one Yantav then it's okay. But for three regalim, he must divorce her with a ksuba. If he prohibits her from you, from 
being Menachem Ovel, or from being Mesameach Chasen Vikal, then he must divorce her since he, he's like closed the entire social door to her. And the Gemara says, how about Turagalim? What's the halacha with that? Gemara answers, for a Kayhenes, it's okay. For Yisraelis, he must divorce her. With a Kayhen, we're more Mekel, since he won't be able to remarry because he'll become Usser. He's Usser to a Grusha. Therefore, we were allowed to be more Mekel. Taisus brings down that the custom was at the first yuntav after the chasana, Akala goes back to her parents to give praises to how well she gets along with her new in-laws, Ritzufa, this is called. This is how Klal Yisrael will feel la'asid lavai, very comfortable in the world, dafayin base. If he prohibits her from being Menachem Ovel, she'll be concerned that people won't come to bury her or be masbid her. The Rambam says that a man must allow his wife to socialize, go to chasanas and be Menachem Ovel, but not to be outside excessively stam, since we say kol kavuda bas penima. So she should be able to socialize, but not excessively because of that. If a person makes a neder that she can't lend or borrow items from her neighbor, then you must divorce her, because she'll develop a shemra as a kafui taiva, who doesn't want to do favors for anyone. In other words, she doesn't want to do favors for anyone, so no one will want to do her favors. And she'll develop a bad name. You're not allowed to force her not to do that type of mitzvah. The Mishnah. The following women, because of bad actions, can be divorced without aksuba. Number one, she causes her husband to be over a mitzvah from the Torah. She gives food, for example, that was truma, or they have relations when she's a nida, or she didn't take off chala. Number two, or she transgresses customs that Benoist Yisrael don't do. For example, she goes out with her hair uncovered, or she talks with a lot of men, or isn't a tznuah. Whoever asks, how do we know that a woman is believed to count the days herself if she's a nida? Our answer is, v'safra la shivas yamim. She's the one that counts. If a woman makes nadarim and doesn't keep them, their children can chas die. Therefore, if she makes a habit of doing this, he can divorce her since it could potentially hurt his children also. If a wife constantly is over on nadarim or chala, you can't really warn her and expect her to stop because we say, ein adam dar im nachash b'kfifa. That... Um, it's impossible for a person to live in a basket with a snake. Even though you warn her, it's easy for her to find a way to bite you anyway. In other words, to go do the Avera. Thigmar asks, why is Reishe Perua only called a minag in the Mishnah? It's the Raisa we know. We know that a woman has to cover her hair, as we learned from Saita, that a woman's hair must be covered. Thigmar answers that a basket covering is really enough midaraisa, but for minag Yisrael, that's not enough. And finally, Thigmar says a woman is not allowed to just stamp talk with Bachram, otherwise her husband can divorce her. The Mishnah. If someone makes Kedushin with a woman on the condition that she doesn't have any Nidarim that she needs to keep, and then after the Kedushin he found out that she did, the Kedushin is not Chal. If he made Nesuin with no Tanai, then she is Teitzei Belay Ksuba. And the Gemara says, the Nidarim the Mishnah was referring to includes not only another that she makes not to eat meat, drink wine, or wear colored clothes, i.e. these are things that will cause pain, Inui Nefesh. Rav holds that if he made a Tanai only to marry her if she has no Nadarim, and he did not clarify this by the Chuppah, and then later on we found out that she had Nadarim, he needs to give her her get. Since we hold, Ein Adam Isa Bilasai Bilas Znus, since when he already had relations with her, we don't want him to think that he did a Bias Nus. Shmuel says that he does not give her a get. The question here is according to Rav if he still must give her a ksuba. This is a machlaikis rashi and taisus. We're going to now quote a shtikl taira and a number of other places on this tape. We're going to quote some shtikl from the pamphlet Al-Hadaf, which is published by Yeshiva Kihilas Yaakov. 
The Gemara cites the opinion of Rav, who says in a case where one married and subsequently his Kedushin was found to be invalid, i.e. his Kedushin was contingent on the fulfillment of a certain condition, and the condition was not fulfilled, as we said here with the neder, but is nevertheless required to formally dissolve the marriage with a get if he wants a divorce, rather than simply relying on the invalidity of the Kedushin. This is based on the principle of Chazaka ein adam isa bilasai bilas znus, which means that it is assumed that a man would most certainly not want to have had bia without Kedushin. It must be then that he intended to perform the Kedushin through his bia, which is one of the methods of performing Kedushin. The rush limits this ruling to a case where there are Ede Yichud, witnesses that the couple were alone together. Such witnesses are considered witnesses on the Bia. Without such witnesses, no get is required, albeit his intention of Kedushin, his intention was to do the Kedushin, because the Mishnah says in Kedushin that Kedushin is only valid if it was performed in front of witnesses. The Ra'ah disagrees and maintains that in our case, where they were already married, no witnesses are required. It is common knowledge that when a couple gets married, Bia takes place. It's what we call Anan Sahadi. For something that is known to all, witnesses are unnecessary. The mission in Kedushin is, however, referring to a Kedushin alone. The Paiskim discuss whether the assumption that a man would not want to do Biasnus applies to a Russia, one who wantonly transgresses other prohibitions. The Rajba discusses a case where a person married a woman that was biblically forbidden to him without performing a valid Kedushin. He rules that a get is required to release the woman based on the assumption that he intended to perform the Kedushin through his Bia, as we said before. This indicates that the assumption that a man does not want biasnus applies even to a Russia. The Rivash, however, rules that if a man wantonly transgresses the prohibition of Nida, we do not assume that he intends to perform Kedushin through his Bia. Therefore, if he marries without Kedushin, no get is required, as he obviously does not care if his Bia is a Bias Znus. This is also the ruling of Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah. Rav Yosef Eliyahu Henkin, Zechat rules in regard to civil marriages that although in itself it's not considered a halakhic Kedushin, a get is nevertheless required to dissolve that type of marriage. He maintains that even when the husband does not know or care about Kedushin, the very fact that Bia was performed with the intention of marriage, i.e. his wife should be miyuchet for him, that's sufficient to consider it a Bia of Kedushin. The Gemara's assumption that a man does not want a Bia snus is not because of the prohibition of Bia without Kedushin. Rather, the assumption is that the man wants his wife to be miyuchet for him. Consequently, his Bia is with the intention of marriage, and thus it's a Bia of Kedushin. Rav Meisha Feinstein, Zechot Tzadik Levracha, disagrees with Rav Hankin's ruling. He proves from the Rivash that we mentioned before, who says that the assumption that a man does not want Biasnus does not apply to a sinner, but the assumptions concerning Biasnus is based on the desire to avoid the prohibition of Bia without Kedushin. It is thus inapplicable to a Jew who does not observe the laws of Tyra. Rav Meisha therefore rules, in extenuating circumstances, that we can rely on the Rivash and permit a woman who was married in a civil court to remarry even without a get. Ramesha further rules that where a marriage was performed by a reform rabbi in a manner which would not constitute a valid kedushin, i.e. there were no kosher witnesses or the ring did not belong to the chassan, the wife is permitted to another without a get. Ramesha explains that in this case, even the chathila, no get is required. There is no assumption in this case that the man means to perform a bia of kedushin because he erroneously believes that the reform kedushin is valid. Ramesha proves this from the Gemara here on Dafayin Gimel Amin Beis, which states that if one performs Kedushin with an item worth less than a pruta, and he assumes that such a Kedushin is valid, no get is required. The Gemara explains that since he assumes that his original Kedushin is valid, he does not intend to perform Kedushin through his Bia. So too, Ramesha concludes, a man who erroneously assumes that the reformed Kedushin is valid does not intend to perform Kedushin at all through his Bia. Therefore, no get is required. Going back here to the Gemara. Here on Dafayin Gimel. A father can marry off a katana. If she has no father, her brother or mother can marry her off. But when she becomes 12, 
she can veto the marriage. This is called mian, and she could therefore leave the husband. I, what if she didn't do mian, and later on she leaves husband number one and marries someone new? Does she need to get from number two or not? According to Rav, she doesn't, since husband number one, when he had relations with her, when she was a gudayla and did, did it l'shem kedushin, so you don't need to get from number two. According to Shmuel, you do need to get, since we're not sure what the kavanah of number one was. Therefore, she may be married to number two. But the Gemara says she doesn't get a ksuba, since according to Rava, we say, haraya. The Gemara says if a man marries a woman, bitos, or he does it, or if a cotton tries to make a kedushin, the kedushin is not chal. This is the, what we brought down before from Ramesha. But if he has beer with her, then is the kedushin chal or not? That's a machlaikis. Since if he had kavana for beer to make kedushin, that's enough. The Gemara says, if someone says, I'll have Kedushin with you on the condition that your father wants it, and the father, Taka, doesn't want it, then it's a machlaikis if a Kedushin is chal or not. Of course, if the father wants it, then of course it's chal. If someone makes a mistake in chalitza, thinking that he'll get to have the woman for a wife, she doesn't need to get, since they both need to have kavana in order for the chalitza to be chal. The Gemara says, we learn out the Indian of Tanai, i.e. that a Tanai that isn't fulfilled can nullify a transaction, if they agree to come to Eretz Yisrael and help fight to conquer Eretz Yisrael, then they can take over the land on the other side of the Yardin. If someone is Makadish b'milva, meaning that he was Makadish a woman by being Michael, the loan that he had given her, and then he has Bia with her, so even though a loan can't be used for a marriage, but since he had Bia, if they want a divorce, they'll need a get. It's the Kedushin Waschal. If a woman got married on the condition that she had no Nadarim, and she went to a Chacham, and he was Mavatal v'neder, the Kedushin can be Chal, since he was Mavatal v'nedarim, and Bittal is Chal l'mafreya. But if the Tanai was that he'll only marry her if she has no woman, even if she goes to the doctor and he heals her, the Kedushin is not Chal, since the Rafua wasn't l'mafreya, and she did have a Mumtaka at the time of the Kedushin. Finally, Gemara says, a man can only be made for neder for his wife's nedarim that cause Inu Nefesh, or are Beino l'beina. Dafayin hey. If a person makes a neder in front of a rabbin, they must keep it and be made for it. The question is, what is it considered a rabbin? Rabbin is either in front of three people or in front of ten people. A woman doesn't want to end up having to live alone because we say, Tav lamesav, tandum lamesav armala. A woman would rather be together with one other person. In other words, two people together are better than one person alone. Even if the husband has a chasaran or a poor parnasa, a woman would still rather be married not to be alone, that so she should be able to socialize with other married women. Because a woman knows that it's easier to socialize when she's considered married. Therefore, she would rather be married to someone who's not so good as long as she can socialize with other women and she could be considered a married woman. I think Mars is a wart or a bad odor. It's considered a mum for a woman, but it's not considered a mum for a kain. If a dog bit a woman and she has a scar, a scar that's also considered a mum. In the time of Mashiach, Gayim will praise Kal Yisrael and want to take them in as citizens. The Gemara also says that one Talmudic sage in Eretz Yisrael is as great as two in Babel, i.e. the sages in Eretz Yisrael are twice as great as the sages in Babel. However, when a sage from Babel ascends to Eretz Yisrael and learns there, he becomes as great as two sages in Eretz Yisrael. The Maralmi Prague explains that the reason why a sage Chacham in Eretz Yisrael is greater than one in Babel is because we say, Avira de Eretz Yisrael machim. The atmosphere in Eretz Yisrael is very conducive to acquiring wisdom as we learn in the Gemara in Baba Basra. 
Thus, the sages in Eretz Yisrael have an intellectual advantage over those in Babel. This is brought down in the Gemara in Baba Basra, Daf Kuf Nun Ches Amid Beis. The Mishnah. Two people got married, and then a mum on the woman was discovered. He says the mum came before the Kedushan. Therefore, the marriage is a Mekachtos, and therefore he's not Mechuyim in Aksuba. She says it happened after the Kedushan. Therefore, it's tough luck. If this Misa was after Arison, Rameir says, so for her to get a ksuba, the father must bring a raya that the mum happened after Kedushan, or he's putter from ksuba. But if the discovery was after the Nesuin, the burden of proof is on the Baal, or he must pay it if he can't bring a raya. The Chachamim say, Mechachtos is only Shaykh if the mum was concealed, but if it was open, then he can't have any tainas, since she should have seen it before he married her, or he should have sent his sisters or somebody to the bathhouse to see if she had any mumin. The Gemara. The ratio of this Mishnah is like Rabbi Yeshua, who doesn't go after Cheskas Haguf when it goes against Cheskas Mama. Therefore, there's not considered a mum. The safe is like Rabbi Gamliel, and we do rely on Cheskas Haguf, but the mum probably came after the Erisin. If one person has two Chazakas, and one person has one Chazaka, the person with two will win. If someone switched his cow with his friend's donkey, and the Balhachamor made Kinyan Meshicha on the cow, and the owner of the cow didn't have a chance to make Meshicha on the Chamor before it died, so the question is, when the, when the donkey died? The owner of the donkey must bring proof that the donkey was alive when he made the Meshicha on the cow, otherwise he cannot keep the cow. The ride to this is from our Mishnah here. And finally, the Gemara says, if after Shechita we find a needle in the base HaKaisis, in the stomach, if it pierced one side, the behemoth is considered kosher. If it pierced both sides, the behemoth is considered treif. If there are blood spots, then it's a riot that the mum happened before the Shechita, and therefore it's treif. These halachas will be nogea if a butcher purchased a behema, and we don't know if he should pay for it since it was treif. Tafayin Zion, the Mishnah. If a man was married and he developed a defect, a defect, we don't force him to divorce her. Reb Shimon ben Gamliel says, but for a big mum, he must divorce her. And the Gemara says, there are the major mumin, which would be grounds for divorce, according to Reb Shimon ben Gamliel, and here they are. He became blind, his hand or foot was cut off. When we have Reb Shimon ben Gamliel in a Mishnah, we usually paskin like him. The Mishnah. There are cases where we force him to give her a get. Number one, he has leprosy. Or number two, he has bad odors due to his job. For example, he's a tanner. The Gemara says if a woman refuses to give his wife to eat, then we force him to give her a get. If a man is married to a woman for ten years and she has no children, we can force him to divorce her because he has a chiv of piria verivya. The Gemara says if both a husband and a wife allow themselves to have blood drawn from them before they have tashmish, then they'll have children with infected brains. The Gemara says one should not sit next to people with this type of an infection because they could catch this infection. The only exception to this is if a person is sitting next to someone who has the infection, but they're there to teach them Tyra, then they will not give over the infection. The Gemara discusses this highly contagious disease, which is called Rasan, and the great measures that the Talmidim took to avoid getting this infection. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, however, would expose himself to those afflicted with the disease in order to learn Torah with them, and he relied on the merit that Torah's study would not allow him to be harmed. Harav Elchanan Wasserman, Zechariah Levracha, questions the basis of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi's reliance that he would not be harmed. Although there is a well-known dictum that we say, Shluche mitzvah ene nizakin, which we learn in Psachim Dav Zayin, people who are en route to performing a mitzvah will not get harmed, the Gemara Psachim limits this to a case where the, where the danger is not likely. The Shechiach is not Shechiach Hazeka. In a case, however, where the probability of danger is very likely, then the mitzvah will not necessarily protect him from harm. 
since the disease of Rasan is so contagious and the probability of being infected is high, there is seemingly no assurance that one who exposes himself for it, albeit for the sake of a mitzvah, i.e. to teach someone Torah, will not be infected. It's therefore difficult to understand why Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi was unconcerned with that risk. Rabbi Hanan answers this question by saying that Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi held that the mitzvah of learning Torah is different from other mitzvahs and can protect from harm even when the probability of danger is very high. He derived this from the Pasuk in Mishlei, which says that the Torah makes the one who learns it attractive. If it makes the learner attractive, reasons Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, certainly it will protect him. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi derives this from the Pasuk that an unqualified assurance of protection, even when the harm is likely to occur. The Ritva notes, the Gemara in Saita, which states that while all mitzvahs can protect a person from harm, the mitzvah of studying protects one even when he is not studying, as opposed to other mitzvahs which only protect one at the mamish, at the exact time that he's performing the mitzvah. This assurance only applies to one who studies lishma with the proper intent. The Gemara says, Bar Papa was friends with the Malach HaMavis, and when his time came to die, Reb Chanina asked the Malach HaMavis for 30 days to chazar over all of his Torah, since he said, Ashrei mi shebalakan v'talmudai biyadai. It's a big schus for a person to be able to come to Shemayim that he remembers all of his learning. So therefore, because of this request, the Malach HaMavis let him live for an extra 30 days. And finally, the Gemara says, and said that no leprosy existed in Bavel, since they ate tartsim, they drank beer, and they washed in the water of the Euphrates. This marks the end of this parak. Let us now begin the eighth parak, Ha'isha Shanaflu. The following parak deals with the halachas of nichsei melug, property which belongs to the woman, but the man has the rights to the paris and the prophets. This takanas chachamim was in exchange for his responsibility of pirkaina, redeeming her if she gets captured. The property itself belongs to the woman, and the husband only has the right to eat from it. Nonetheless, if she sells this property to someone else, the husband has the right to take it away from the lekeach, so he'll continue to be able to eat the paris. The question is, when exactly does this right apply? And the Mishnah says, If a woman yarshened property before she became an Arusa, both Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel agree that she can l'chatchila sell it, and it's a valid sale, and the husband will not be able to eat from it. However, if she yarshened it after the Arusin, then Beis Shammai says she can sell it, since she's not an Asua yet. But according to Beis Hillel, she cannot sell it now, because she's already an Arusa. But both agree, Bidiyavid, if she sold it, the sale is valid. If she yarshened the property after Nesuin, all agree that if she sold it, the husband can take it back from the Lekech in order to enforce that he can eat the Paris. Reb Shimon says, in all cases, regarding Nechsem no matter when she yarshed it, if her husband knows about the Nechassim, that they existed, she can never sell it. If he doesn't know about the property, she shouldn't sell it Lechatchila, but if she does, the sale is good, even if she yarshed them after the Nesuin. And the Gemara says, from Pchananya ben Akavya, a Nesuah is different than an Arusa. By an Arusa, a husband can't be made for her Nadarim cannot take her Maiseyadayim and doesn't have the right to her property. By Sha'enkin, by Anasua, he has the right to all of these. This explains the basic gist of the differences in our Mishnah. Rav and Shmuel's Pshat here follow the halacha of Rabbi Seinu, that no matter when she received the property, even before Arison, once Nesuin takes place, she cannot sell it. Our Mishnah holds, like the Takanas Usha, where the Sanhedrin was, that the man not only inherits the Paris, but the goof of the Karka as well, once the woman dies. That's why once she dies, the husband can mamish take back the field from the Lekeach. Tafayantas. They came to Marukva, the Av Bezdin, to Paskin on the case of Shtar Mavrechas. This is a Shtar that's written to hide a woman's Nechassim, so the husband won't have the rights to the Paris. 
he paskin that the shtar is no good, since it wasn't a real matana, only an insincere one. Therefore, if a wife did this to fool her husband, it wouldn't work. The next Mishnah, regarding Nixay Maluk. If a wife yarshins assets, they buy property, and although she owns the asset, he can eat from the pears. If she inherits produce that is mechuber lekarka, so according to a mayor, it's all hers, since it's part of the ground. According to the Chachamim, they're called Paris, so she owns the property, the karka, the karen, and he owns the Paris. And the Gemara says, if given a choice between land and houses, they should buy land. Choice between houses versus date trees, they should buy houses. Date trees versus fruit trees, they should buy date trees. You always buy the one which normally lasts longer. The rule is, if something after being taken from, pulled from like a tree, it'll end up growing back, then it's called Paris. If it does not grow back, then it constitutes what we call Karen. The offspring of an animal which is Nixay Malug belongs to the husband, since it's like the Paris of this asset. The Mishnah. If one, if she yarshened old servants, so we sell them and buy land. Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel says she can keep them if she wants to because of sentimental value, even though he'll lose out on the Paris. If she yarshens old olives or grapes, then it's best to sell them for land. Rabbi Yehuda says she can keep them if she wants to. The Gemara says the machlekes about olive trees is only if they came into her own property. Otherwise, she must sell them. The Mishnah. If a man spent money to improve his wife's property, but the benefit he got was more or less than what he put into it, if they divorce, he gets no reimbursement. What he spent, he spent, and what he ate, he ate. However, if he spent, but he ate nothing, then he can swear and he gets it all back. And the Gemara says, even if he ate just a little bit, there's no right to any adjustment at all. Tough pay. If he got no benefit at all and he swears, then he's reimbursed, but only up to the amount of the actual value of the real improvements that are tangible. The Mishnah. A woman who has no children and her husband died, so she is now in limbo waiting for Yibam from her husband's brother. She's called a Shemeres Yavam. If at that point she yarshins some property, this is similar to the case of Bain Erison Linasuan. All agree, even Basil, that she could sell it if she wants to, since an Arusa is Mamish standing for Nasuan, while she here may possibly get Chalitza. If this Yavama dies, so what happens to the Nixem Alug? According to Beishamai, it gets split between her family and his. According to Basil, it stays by the Chazaka of where it is. And the Gemara says, if a Shemeres Yavam died, who pays for her burial? Our answers, whoever Yarshan is the Ksuba pays for the burial, i.e. his side. Tough payoff. Beishamai holds that a ksuba is like a shtar that has a chazaka that she's owed money before she even gets the money. So if she's a saita and the husband dies, she can collect the ksuba money even though there's a suffix if she's a saita. Since she has a chazaka and shtar ha'aymed ligvais kigavoy So the same halacha applies to a shamaris yavam that as soon as he dies, she immediately has the right to a ksuba from the yarsha. And if she dies, his family must pay for the burial. It's an Eitzat Teva not to say to one's wife, here is your specific ksuba money set apart for you. It's better to just leave all the assets open as potential claims for the ksuba. If Ruvain borrows money from Shimon, and Shimon borrows money from Levi, we say that Levi can go directly to Ruvain to collect due to a cloud called Shibuda de Rebnasa. A sale, a matana, that was done by the Yavam on the Nechasim, which he inherited from his dead brother, and are meshubed to a ksuba. According to Rabbi Yosef, he cannot do this. But according to Abaya, the sale is valid. We pass in like Rabbi Yosef. If someone said, make a meshicha on a cow today, and the kinyan should be chal in 30 days, it's a good kinyan in 30 days. Since now it's biyaday to do the kinyan. Mashenkein, one cannot make a long-term kinyan on something, which isn't biyaday right now. The Gemara says, once a man performs yibam, 
The only way he can get rid of her is via a get. And if he divorces her, he's allowed to remarry her. Tigamar says one cannot designate a certain asset, specific asset, for a ksuba payment before any divorce takes place because it'll cause bad feelings. Mishum, Eva. They're already talking about divorce. Why should they be doing that now in the middle of the marriage? It used to be that women would only be able to collect their 200, 100 zuzim from their husbands or the yarshim specifically, not from the chasim mishubadim, land that was already sold to someone else. And women then felt insecure to marry until Shimon ben Shetach made a takana that all property becomes meshubed to the ksuba. The reason this was so is to make it difficult so he won't just say, let me just divorce her and get out of the ksuba that easily. This marks the end of this parak. Parak tes, hakaisev li'ishtai, the Mishnah. If someone writes, writes a star to his wife that he won't have benefit from her nixem elug, normally we know that he has the right to these benefits, then this star can be chal. According to Rabbi, Yeshu, Rabbi Yehuda, he doesn't relinquish his peire peris unless he specifically says so. Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel says a husband can never relinquish his wife to Yarsh and his wife's property since that right is minatera. And the Gemara says, if a person hasn't actually yarshed a certain property, he cannot give it to someone else as a present. Gemara says, since a woman can be meichel her right to receive mezainus from her husband, and then the husband can't get her maisei yadeha, so too a husband can be meichel his right to receive the nixei melug. Paris are the direct income from land, but peri Paris are if she sold Paris, got karka, and then this karka made new Paris. This, the husband, isn't meichel, unless he specifically writes it mamish. The Chachamim strengthened their halachas more than they strengthened the hilchas of the Torah, since we say Chachamim asu chizak divrehem yaser, more than what was in the Torah. There's a machlik as if a person can make a t'nai against something that is in the Torah. If one buys a base hakvaris, he must return the land to each respective family so they can bury their mason.